Hey everyone, welcome back into the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the manager uh, and editor over at BT Powerhouse. Uh, coming to you live, it is January 6th of 2019. Yes, we're already into 2019. And coming to you late in the evening. Uh, so today's games have taken place. I want to say we had, uh, yeah, four Four Big Ten games today. Two were actually ranked matchups. Both teams were ranked. And then we had uh, one other ranked team in action and a rivalry game. So a very, very full slate of action here on Sunday afternoon and evening. Uh, On top of what was a pretty big day on Saturday as well, specifically with Michigan State and Ohio State playing in the afternoon till. But so we're just going to check in. You know, we haven't done the podcast here in a couple of weeks, so would be nice to <laughs> sort of uh, again check in on things, uh have an update across the league and to help us chat, uh we have Brett from our site. Hey man, how's it going? Hey Thomas, how's it going, man? Good, good. Yeah, full full day of uh of college hoops here. Um, how, how's the new year, uh, treating you? New year's good. New year's good. Big 10 basketball is on almost every day. So I have no complaints. Um, yeah, <laughs> super full Sunday today, interesting Saturday yesterday. Um, and I think just more to come. So super excited about, about the big 10 right now. Yeah. Yeah. So there are three big things I want to hit on here today. The first is just sort of touch on the weekend's games, whether it was the Saturday games or the Sunday games, any big thoughts you had. Uh, the next thing I want to touch on uh, is sort of the Big Ten race as a just a, an aggregate here. You know, who you think you're com- is competing for the title, who's competing uh, for some of those first day Big Ten tournament seeds, that kind of thing. And then uh, lastly, I'd like to do a little bracketology talk if we can. Uh, before we wrap things up, but um, let, let's jump right into it. It was a very full weekend. Uh, what do you have any big takeaways? You know, there are a lot of big games. Um, let's start with Saturday. Uh, I believe there are only two games. Um, any big thoughts as far as those two went? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the the premier matchup of Saturday was uh, Michigan State Ohio State, and um, you know, I think frankly, I. Um, I thought that Michigan State looked really good. Um, they've looked good all week, the last couple of weeks of play. Um, they're kind of passing the eye test. They're passing the kind of Ken Palm statistical test. They're just good at basketball. So um, whatever you want to call it, they, they are they're playing well. Cassius Winston and Nick Ward, um, you know, they're obviously the kind of two-headed monster at the top of that offense, but um, they're getting a lot of help, it seems. I mean, McQuaid p- played well. Um, you know, kind of Kenny Go- Kenny Cohen's is even contributing on offense. It it seems like a pretty balanced attack, um, which I, I know a lot of people who were looking at Michigan State in the preseason didn't necessarily expect. So um, mm-hmm. I think a big takeaway is that was a phenomenal game. Ohio State looks good, and Caleb Wesson is a beast uh, down low. I mean, he just had his way um, whenever he got the ball. He got it constantly. He got the ball in good position down low. Um, and, and kind of made his work easy. But, but I think the big takeaway is Michigan State is very, very good. I was impressed with the pace they're playing with. Um, frankly, you know, it, at the beginning of the game and even when they played uh, Northwestern earlier on, they just look almost like North Carolina, like they're just pushing <laughs> the pace. 
and you just you can't get your feet set or get your mat, your head wrapped around what they're doing before they're already you know at the rim. So um, mm-hmm. so I think you know this is encroaching on your next topic, which is Big Ten title favorites. But Michigan State looks really good, and um, you know I, I think I'd be hard pressed to make an argument against them right now. Yeah, as far as Saturday goes. Uh, just so I don't repeat everything you say, I'm, I just want to touch briefly on the other game, uh, Maryland at Rutgers. You know, Maryland has really been kind of hit or miss so far this season. They they had a pretty weak non-conference slate, in my opinion, and they faltered in all the marquee matchups. But this week, they beat Nebraska, which was a huge win for the Terps. They're probably sitting a lot closer to the NCAA tournament now than they were uh, just a week or two ago as a result of that. And Saturday was one of those games that nobody's going to remember. Even in a couple of weeks, you're going on the road to face Rutgers, um, an NFL weekend. Everybody's focused on the NFL, but Maryland went, got the job done. Uh, that's not going to be a win. That's going to add much to their resume, but they avoid a bad loss, which is equally as important. So that's, that's that game. As far as the, the marquee matchup, which was Michigan state versus Ohio state. Yeah. I mean, the Spartans have looked good. I said this in my power rankings last week. Uh, so this year I'm doing a little a, a little bit different analysis where I am I'm only looking at your resume, so to speak. What have you done on the court? Yeah. I'm I'm trying to avoid reading into things too far, which uh, it's just something I decided to do. It, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but that's just what I'm doing. And I said last week, you know, if I had, if I was using last last year's standards or years past. Michigan State would be number one because they're playing at the highest level in the Big Ten. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. that showed this week as they destroyed Northwestern on Wednesday and they go in and get arguably the Big Ten's best road win of the season. Uh, You can go back and forth. Yeah, I mean, we can debate that. Uh, I think as far as Big Ten play is concerned, that's probably the best road win. Uh, anybody has in league play so far in the Big Ten? Maybe uh, Ohio Minnesota. State. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I do argue Minnesota and Wisconsin. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's arguably the the biggest win there. And really, this week was setting up to be very reminiscent of last season. Uh, Michigan State got out to that really fast start. They were just tearing through team after team, um, and they topped it off with just wrecking Maryland at home a Maryland team that would end up being uh, a quasi-NIT team. I know they ended up falling short, but they weren't a tournament team, but they were a decent opponent, um, which is kind of – I know I'm. We're, we'll get to this later, but kind of what I think of Northwestern at this point. And Michigan State just ran through them. Uh, I think it was like their sixth or seventh win in a row. Uh, and then the follow-up game, as was last year after they beat Maryland, was a road game against an Ohio State team that looks to be gaining some confidence, gaining some steam. And Ohio State had a few runs. You know, right before halftime, they got up. Uh, I think they had like a 6-0 run, 8-0 run, something like that. And they had a decent lead going into halftime. And Michigan State, they never blinked. They came out firing, and they got a big road win uh, over the Buckeyes. And as far as your point about uh, stylistically how Michigan State is playing right now, uh, yeah, I mean, they're a big transition team. Their offense is very reliant on the transition attack. 
whether that's Cassius Winston getting in the lane, whether that's feeding it to the shooters. But I think the difference this year a little bit for Michigan State is Nick Ward is a lot better in the low post. And they, they sort of have that, that fail-safe when the transition game isn't going so well, when teams can get out and slow them down. Or, of course, you know, if you're a person who follows basketball enough, you know that if the other team is scoring on offense, it's hard to get the transition game going because you have to inbound the ball. Uh, so it's hard to get out and run. But so when that happens, last year's team didn't really have a, a go-to option. I know Bridges was a really nice player, but the teams that were really good defensively that could stop Michigan State in transition, uh, they had a lot of trouble in that the half-court set. And this year, I think Nick Ward has been a huge difference maker. He gets to the line. He can convert enough on his own. Uh, he rebounds well enough. So I, I think he's been a huge difference. And Michigan State's playing at a really high level. Um, I know Michigan's still undefeated, who we'll get to here in a second, but uh, Michigan State's right up there with everyone. So, yeah, I, I think Michigan State is going to be a major team to watch going forward. And Ohio State, you, you just came up short against uh, a team that was playing really well. So not much, not much there. Um, but uh, jumping into Sunday's games, four games, as I mentioned, um, any any thoughts as far as today game today's games are concerned? Yeah, well, I, I'll just start with Michigan-Indiana, and I know you were there. Um, I'm sure it was electric. Um, but I, I think the big story is Michigan sort of returning to, to form. Um, there was a lot of people close to Michigan basketball and who were sort of close observers who were worried about kind of, is this defense as good as we thought? Is the offense as consistent as we thought based on kind mm-hmm. of the two or three big games in, in late November and early December? And it looks like, you know, in some ways, I, I think it's, it's maybe premature to base any kind of uh, kind of paint with too broad a brush based on one game, but it looks like Michigan is, is, has, is returning to form a little bit. Um, I, one, one thing I did want to say is Jordan Poole is, is having himself a good couple of weeks. Um, he is, uh, he's just playing impressive basketball. I mean, I think he, he broke this game open a little bit with a couple big shots and then when Indiana made some runs in the second half with outstanding play from uh, from Morgan and from Romeo Langford, um, I think there were a couple like contested twos, mid-range contested twos, and 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 uh, drives to the basket that from Jordan Poole that that kept Indiana at length, at arm's length. So um, he didn't have this sort of huge game with five or six or eight three pointers, but he he made some tough twos, and I I think he. He is flashy and swaggy in all the ways he was last year, but a lot more substantive and reliable on both ends of the floor. So I would say big takeaway is if Michigan's playing well, um, that's no surprise, but Jordan Poole is really stepping up. Um, I know another thing a, a lot of Michigan folks are talking about is depth, and, um, and we're starting to see some you know, small signs of, of Michigan um, establishing a little bit of a bench. Um, the name that's been floating around in, in circles all over the place for the last few weeks is will Brandon Johns um, have any sort of impact um, on Michigan's team this year? Will he be a guy who can play the four or the five and give some guys some rest? Um, today was a day where he sort of had to um, because folks were in foul trouble. Isaiah Livers was out. Um, eight points, eight boards. I'd be interested to, to hear what you think, but um, I think for the first time in a while he didn't look like a deer in headlights on the floor. Um, he, he didn't, you know, there was no major defensive assignment miss. 
Um, he looked good in ball screen action. He finished a couple uh, nice, you know, pick and roll, um, you know, actions at, at, at the basket. And he, he was pretty decent in post defense. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying he's the backup center. I'm not saying he plays 10 or 12 minutes a game, but, um, you know, he looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, just like Saturday, I'm going to save the big one for last. Uh, I got a lot of thoughts on Indiana, Michigan, uh, but I just want to hit the other games here just so we don't skip sure, over sure, them. Sure. Uh, starting Illinois and Northwestern Illinois came out firing, had a, a really solid performance and don't look now, but Illinois is repeating its trend from last season, which is they play everybody tough and then just lose at the end. Um, yep. For Illinois fans' sake, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's not as excruciating as it's been. Um, but they have been one of the most unlucky teams in the country uh, this season. And we'll see. They get Michigan at home on Thursday. Uh, whether they can pull off the upset, I don't know. But it's been uh, very frustrating for them. But Northwestern picks up the win. I think that's really good news for the Big Ten because the Big Ten wants Northwestern to remain a semi-decent opponent so the other teams can get wins against them. I know that sounds weird, but from the uh, the net, the RPI, that kind of stuff, it will help if Northwestern can kind of maintain an NIT level and the other teams can beat them. But uh, not a surprise there. Northwestern expected to win. Uh, the other game that just finished up here was Wisconsin going on the road and beating Penn State. I have a lot of thoughts about Penn State. I will save for later, but no surprise there. Wisconsin was favored. Uh, they go on the road and pick up that win. And then the last one, which or the uh, then the other game here, which was a ranked matchup, Iowa and Nebraska. Both teams really have struggled in Big Ten play, uh, facing each other. Both really desperate for a win. Iowa was 0-3 in Big Ten play coming into this, but the Hawkeyes get a win over the Cornhuskers. I, I think both these teams are in decent shape going forward, as weird as it sounds. Their Big Ten records, I don't think, are super reflective of their actual quality of play. And what I mean by that is I've been saying this for probably a year and a half going on two years. Nebraska is phenomenal at home. I don't know if anyone is going to beat them in Lincoln this year. That's that's my opinion. I honestly think they're going to probably go undefeated at home. They play uh, Michigan State and Ohio State at home later this month, so we'll see. Those are going to be big challenges, but I think they're going to go undefeated at home, uh, but they have not been good away from home, whether that's neutral courts, whether that's on the road, and it picked this week, it killed them again. They lost to Maryland and Iowa, but both of those games were competitive. They could have won both of them. Yeah. I think I think as they get more confident, they will pick up some road wins um, going forward, but um, I, I think for them it's the same story. They just they don't play that well away from home. Uh, but as long as they protect yeah, home I, court, they'll be fine. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I, I think um, you look at them and they're one in three in conference play, right? But I actually don't see any glaring issues. I mean, if you saw the Maryland mm-hmm. game, um, that was down to the wire, and and they played relatively well. You know, um, Palmer is is you know is very versatile, is a great player. Yeah. Um, and and they, the, the starting five is just, I think, um, pretty solid. And so I, I agree with you. I mean, I think the scheduling is tough right now. Um, they had 
Maryland on the road, Iowa on the road, and then, you know, after Penn State at home next, they have Indiana on the road. Um, but but I think I think you're right. I think both of these teams are looking pretty good, and it was pretty important for Iowa for Iowa to pick up this win. Um, they uh, they've been struggling there for a little bit, and I think uh, I think this is a this is a big win for them. Oh yeah, I mean for Iowa, Iowa needed this win. Um, whether it's from a confidence perspective, whether it's from the fact that they hadn't won a Big Ten game yet, uh, or the fact that uh, they almost lost to Bryant at home to end December, they got just lambasted by Purdue uh, to open up the new year. So getting back on track, beating Nebraska is a big one. Uh, Iowa yeah. gets Northwestern on the road. Bryant is another one of those teams that I, I had to look up where they were located. So, <laughs> um, And uh, Iowa's going to get Northwestern on the road on Wednesday. That's a winnable game. That'd be a nice road win. You know, kind of what I was just talking about where – the Big Ten wants Northwestern to be okay. Um, and then Nebraska is going to get Penn State at home on Thursday. I think the Cornhuskers will wreck Penn State in that game. Uh, so I, I think both those teams are going to be fine. Uh, and then the last one, which was the big one of the day, CBS national game, uh, number two, Michigan hosting a top 25 Indiana team. Michigan comes storming out of the gates. Uh, Indiana – has a pretty good second half, but can't get enough to actually win the game uh, or get within striking distance of Michigan. Yeah. I I think, you know, I I wrote a piece that's up on BT powerhouse, sort of some of my takeaways from the game, but I I definitely thought this was the case of, yeah, we got to see what Michigan looks like again when they're actually focused and when they're actually trying um, in a game, because I, I think the effort was relatively lackluster during December to put it mildly and they came out firing. Um, Indiana had been playing very well recently. I know they have some injury issues uh, to Finnessy and to Davis, but Indiana had won seven in a row. They had won a few away from home. They beat Butler. They beat Louisville. They beat Penn State and Northwestern. Team with a lot of momentum. Uh, one of the hotter teams in the country, I think you could argue. And Michigan beat them by double digits to improve to 15-0 on the season. Uh, as far as Indiana is concerned, I don't think there's any reason to panic. It's disappointing because I think Hoosier fans had thought, hey, you know, after this recent run, maybe we can actually contend for the Big Ten title. I think this has uh, maybe changed those expectations a tad. Um, but you lost on the road to a top five team. Top five team. There's not really any reason to, to hang your head about this one. You just – you couldn't uh, get the win. Uh, the Hoosiers will be fine going forward, especially if they get healthy. Uh, as far as Michigan is concerned, they're they're a top five team. They're absolutely deserving of that ranking. Frankly, I think they have an argument for number one at this point. Uh, with all due respect to Duke, I think a big thing, as you said, is what's going to make Michigan scary down the stretch is uh, Michigan they had all the success in November in large part because of the defense and in large part because they had key returners from last season that were ready to play immediately, which a lot of other teams didn't have. And now it's going to be about how does the bench develop? How do guys like Brandon Johns develop? Um, Iggy Brasdinkis, like how is he, is he going to turn from this really good freshman into a, you know, the next tier? I don't know. We'll see. Um, But I think if, if Michigan's going to achieve its goals this year, which 
if you get to 15 and 0, I don't care. Uh, if you're 15 and 0 and you have played a real non-conference schedule and you are in a Power Five conference, uh, I'm sorry, you yeah. have to be thinking Final Four. Uh, conference title goals bigger than that. You know, whatever your thoughts are on Michigan as a program uh, that has to be in your mind at this point. And for Michigan to get to another final four and to contend for the national title, if, if they're lucky enough to get there um, it's going to come down to the bench because they're going to need some of those guys to step up. So a big game from uh, John's today, which is encouraging for the Wolverines and we'll see moving forward. Um, but uh, I do think that's a good spot to transition, though, into our next topic, which I just I just kind of want to go through the Big Ten uh, from top to bottom. And we don't have to hit on every team, um, but I want to start with the top as far as, uh, you know, we're we're four games in or so, three or four games for everybody in the Big Ten. Um, everybody's played on the road in the conference. Everybody's played at home. We've seen non-conference play now uh, and the reason I say all this stuff is because we have some data to go off of. We kind we have a feeling on where the big 10 sits, where it's going forward. We're not, we're not projecting anymore. We're not speculating. We have some real tangible results to go off of. Um, so having said that, uh, where do you see the big 10 right now? Um, who do you see as the top tier? Who do you see below that? Uh, what's kind of your outlook on the, on the league? Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. We haven't, uh, you know, enough data right now to, to, you know, form some, some informed opinions on this. I think, um, I personally think that we're looking at a, a two, a two man race at the top, um, with a potential for a third kind of dark horse to develop. Um, and, you know, I thought I knew that that dark horse was potentially a Wisconsin or an Indiana, but I'm not sure now. Um, and I think again, that speaks to your point about the big 10 just being so strong. Everyone, kind of in the middle, um, beating one another and blurring these tiers, right? There's not a clear top tier of four or five teams and then a clear second tier. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, that being said, I would say Michigan and Michigan State are the clear favorites to win um, the Big Ten title. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think they they both are 4-0. That helps. They're the only teams that are 4-0 so far. but, but also, I think, you know, in the near future, if you look at Michigan's schedule, they have Illinois at, uh, on the road. They have um, Northwestern at home. Um, that's an opportunity to get some folks healthy and, again, develop that bench. And then, and then they go into kind of their meat of Big Ten play um, and then finish with a really tough schedule. And then on Michigan State side, um, I, I just think they look really good. I think they're getting into they're rounding into form. Um, everyone is relatively healthy. Um, they're beating you in different ways. They're playing solid defense. They're beating you inside with Tillman and Ward. They're beating you on the outside with really solid shooting. Um, and they're getting kind of X factor contributions from unexpected places, right? And so mm-hmm. um, I would say this is a, this is a two team race um, at the top, and then we'll see what develops. But um, you know. Do you sort of, do you sort of, uh, are you in the same place? I'm in absolute agreement. I think this is a two team race. I don't think there's a clear favorite at this point and for better or worse, I don't think we're really going to know how this is going to shake out for a long time uh, because Michigan and Michigan state don't play until the last four games of the season. Uh, I I was saying this, it's a weird scheduling quirk this year, but 
it's just how it's worked out. Michigan and Michigan State play the last reg- game of the regular season, and then they play a few games before that. So we're not going to have those head-to-head results until very, very deep, which will likely determine the ultimate standings because I think these teams are going to finish within a game or two of each other. And if you don't believe me, if you think I'm crazy, Ken Palm has them both projected at 15 and five right now in the big 10, uh, Michigan state's fourth on Ken Palm, Michigan's fifth. Uh, they're both four and oh in big 10 play. Uh, they're neck and neck. This is about as tight as you're going to get. I don't think there's a clear leader. And we should mention too, the last couple of games, Michigan state's been without Josh Langford Michigan's been without Isaiah Livers. Uh, these teams are going to look a lot different when they play for those last couple yep. of games of the year. So um, we'll see how that shapes out. But I, I think there are two guys that are ahead of everyone else. And then I think there's a, a big group of teams that are behind these two. Uh, I think the next tier, so tier two here is Indiana, Purdue, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Uh, I think Maryland's a little bit behind these. I know they uh, excuse me, add in Nebraska there too. Um, I, I realize uh, it's a, it's a little bit shaken up, but, um, and I don't think there's a big divide between those teams and the teams right behind. Like I, I think Iowa and Maryland are a little bit weaker than those teams, um, but it's going to be really fluid. <laughs> that next group there uh, about three through eight or so in the league, which is insane um, because, you know, you look at it like, I think Indiana and Wisconsin are better teams than Purdue and we'll say Nebraska. Uh, but Purdue is extremely good at home. Nebraska's extremely good at home. Like, I don't think I can point to any of those teams and say, oh, yeah, Wisconsin's going to go into Purdue and win. Or Wisconsin's going to go into Nebraska yeah. and win. I can't say that. Like, Indiana, when they have to play at Purdue, I'm picking Purdue in that game because Purdue is nearly unbeatable at home. And so the thing is, is like they're so close um, and how the schedule ultimately falls out is going to, to me, determine where those things sit. So it'll be really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think there are two teams. I think that all those other teams are in the, the picture for that next, you know, third through eighth. It's going to be divided by, you know, two, three games probably. And then you have Northwestern, Penn State, Rutgers and Illinois. Um rounding yeah. out the last um i should mention too sorry i have minnesota in that uh third tier or so but i was but again, gonna ask I mean, where the gophers were yeah i forgot to mention them and I, I would like to give them a shout out because they went on the road and beat wisconsin this week so i i should be, i should at least mention i'm here talking up wisconsin and not even mentioning the team <laughs> that beat them in their own house so uh yeah. props to um the gophers on a, a big win and um, we'll see how things shake out, but certainly Minnesota, they're going to be in that picture. And, you know, I, I should mention, I just want to reiterate again, you know, to the fans of, you know, Iowa, Minnesota, uh, I forget who the third team I, I said, uh, Maryland, that I have in my quote unquote third tier at the moment. I have almost no divide between the second and third tier. It's really that close this year. I, it's going to come down to a couple games, a couple buckets here and there. Uh, between third and like eighth or ninth, it's it's going to be wild. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of how I see the league now. Um, anything you want to add as far as that goes before we get into sort of the uh, NCAA tournament stuff and some of the bigger picture stuff for the postseason? 
Sure, yeah. I mean, I'll just give the Gophers, I'll, I'll reiterate your point and give the Gophers fans a little bit of love because I think you're right. They did they did score a big win against Wisconsin. And, you know, in some ways, if you look at the, the actual Big Ten standings, right, they're sitting at uh, at 2-1. and one, um, and, yep. uh, and so, you know, they're right there with everyone. Um, and they looked good, you know, against Wisconsin. Um, they, I, I felt like, you know, you always wonder about Richard Pitino teams and, and whether they're going to actually show up, but they certainly have the talent. Uh, Amir Coffey was impressive. I thought, you know, um, at the end of the game, it was, it was kind of a tight finish and, and McBrayer had a couple nice steals and, and finishes um, and, and winning on the road again in the big 10, like you were saying, is just hard. Um, there's so many of these teams that just play so well at home. And so um, I think, you know, now Minnesota has a four-game swing, I think, up, you know, the next four games, and they're favored to win each of those um, before they head on the road to, to play Michigan in late January in a couple of weeks. So um, I, I really do think you're right that the second and third tiers are sort of blurred. And I, I think, um, you know, right now we think of Indiana, Wisconsin, Ohio State at the top of that second tier, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Purdue figures it out with a few big wins. They have a few big games coming up um, where they're playing MSU and Wisconsin. If they can get wins there, um, if Maryland can keep playing the way they have, and if Minnesota can kind of just go 4-0 in their next four games against relatively manageable competition, we might be talking about a different second tier, you know, or a different top of the second tier in a couple weeks. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's uh, – Things are shuffling around, and they will continue to. Um, but uh, but I, I do agree that it's a, a two-team race. Yeah, yeah, that's my thing. And, and just two things I want to add is, as far as the what you just said was, first off, I agree. You know, Minnesota's in a, a situation where the issue with Rick Pitino during his whole tenure at Minnesota has been fast starts and collapses down the stretch. And I'm not trying to say that's going to happen this year, because uh, I, I think Gopher fans would just lose their minds if it happened again. Um, but that, that's been the big issue. And Minnesota needs to compile wins here in January because the schedule's really backloaded. Uh, they have a lot of difficult games on the stretch, you know, where they go at Michigan State. Uh, they play Michigan at home. They go at Maryland. Games like that, uh, Purdue at home. So they they need to rack up the wins here in January uh, so they can afford a loss or two uh, in February and March. But we'll see. Certainly the Gophers, you know, they've won six in a row here. They beat Nebraska. They beat Oklahoma State. They beat Wisconsin. So things are looking good for, for Minnesota at the moment. We'll see how they shape up. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're a team where uh, they, need, they need to have a good January. Uh, and then as far as Purdue, yeah. That's what it's. That's what's so crazy about teams like Purdue and Nebraska, who, in my opinion, I think they. It's going to sound weird, and I know Indiana fans and Wisconsin fans are going to take this the wrong way, but I think Purdue and, and Nebraska have the best home court advantages. I don't know if it's the crowd, the environment, or it's just like the team is super confident there. But I think those two teams right now, relative to how they play on neutral courts and on the road, are just so much better at home. And if you look at Purdue, for instance, uh, you know, it's games like uh, where they play Indiana on the road where, you know, Ken Palm has it, it gives them 44% odds or where they play Maryland on the road where they also have 44% odds or um, Penn State on the road. It's games like that where like if Purdue can close out a few of those, 
yeah, suddenly they could end up in that third spot. Who knows? Uh, it's going to be that close. So it'll be fun to watch. And it, it's really going to be one of those years where almost every night matters because so many of these games are going to be so close and so many are uh, going to be so meaningful for the standings. But, but with that, um, let's talk a little NCAA NIT bracketology stuff here before we close up. And specifically, if you have any big takes you want to add on a team, uh, this is the time. I know we talked about a lot of the teams in depth already, but if you have anything else as we go through these um, or any, anything you disagree on, just let me know. But um, how I like to organize it is I always like to start at the top, which the teams uh, that I see as locks uh, at the moment. And to me, I think Michigan State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, um, probably Ohio State too, I think at this point. I have all those teams as absolute locks to the tournament. Um, are you in agreement? Any disagreement? So you had five teams. You said Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana, Ohio State, and Wisconsin? Yep. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I think um, – I think that's right. Um, I think based on their non-conference schedules, all those teams and what they've done in conference so far, um, I would say those teams are locks. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and if you don't consider them a lock, uh, they're all so close. It would take a, just an absolute collapse down the stretch for any of those teams to miss it at this point. Cause they already have so many good wins on the resumes. Um, the next tier to me are the teams that I think are, uh, really likely to get in, which I, to me are Iowa and Nebraska. I think those teams are in really good shape to get into the field. Uh, they're both currently ranked. That probably will change for Nebraska here tomorrow, but uh, they both have decent wins. Neither of them really have uh, bad losses in terms of like a net RPI perspective. Um, any disagreement as far as those two con- are concerned and, or, uh, and or do you think anybody else uh, should be included? Yeah, I, you know, this is maybe um, where I might differ a little bit. I think I, I, I tend to gravitate towards a couple other teams, um, mm-hmm. the Maryland's of the world and maybe the, you know, the, the um, Minnesota's and Purdue's of the world, um, even though Purdue's resume is struggling a little bit. I, I think I tend to gravitate there first because, um, one, I just, I just don't know that Iowa is that good. Um, I know we're talking about a strong Big Ten, and I do think that they're, you know, obviously a a decent team and much improved from last year, but um, they have some great non-conference wins. um, But, you know, this is a fairly poor defense um, Mm -hmm. that they're they're putting on the floor day in, day out, and and I could see them losing some games that they're not supposed to lose. Um, You know, they go on the road to Penn State, they go on the road to Rutgers, and they go on the road to Minnesota – you know, those are games that Iowa, I think, you know, some of those games Iowa could lose. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw a little bit of a Fran McCaffrey, you know, collapse towards the end of the yeah. season. Um, with, with Nebraska, my concern is not so much that they're a capable, good team that can win games. Um, it's just like you said, Nebraska has this way of winning games at home and, and playing, a, you know, kind of punching above their weight at home, beating Michigan by 20 last year at home and then going on the road and just laying eggs. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's my big concern with Nebraska. I think they will. I think you're right that they're likely to make the tournament, but, but I'm just, I'm not totally, you know, sold on them yet because 
they they went and uh, and just lost two fairly winnable games on the road. Um, so you know we'll see. Um, I also think I'll add I'll add one thing. I think you know we were surprised and we were um, kind of you know excited about Nebraska getting some neutral and road wins in the non-conference schedule. I don't know that those look all that great anymore. Um, I mean, I don't think that Oklahoma State win looks all that great. I think Clemson's okay, um, but they just got blown out, and they're, they're, they're in a tough ACC. Um, I, I think, you know, if, if Nebraska doesn't take care of business in the Big Ten and can get some, you know, road wins, some very substantive meat-and-potato road wins um, in the Big Ten, I, I don't know that we're, you know, talking about them being a safe bid in, in, in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see the Iowa thing. Uh, but to me, it's like, if you look at them sitting right now, um, they're 12 and three, uh, they have plenty of winnable games here. Ken Palm has them projected to get to 19 and 12, which would undoubtedly in this year's big 10 would get them in to the field. Um, especially if they won a game in the big 10 tournament, I, I just, for me, where I'm, where I'm sitting now looking at Iowa, I think it would take, it would be a little surprising to me if they did miss out just because I think they have a lot of winnable games on the stretch. Uh, they, they have a pretty good home court as well. So I, I think they'll get enough to where they're going to get in. So to me, I, I have Iowa and, and Nebraska, like I said, I think they're going to be nearly unbeatable at home this year. Uh, so I, yeah. I think, frankly, frankly, if they win all their home games, I think they're going to get in just based on that. Uh, so I, I think those yeah. two, um, the next group you know, the for one me, thing I didn't mention oh, go ahead. is sorry to interrupt. I, I was just going to say the one thing I think you're right about Iowa is that, you know, the 12 and three looks great right now. They also beat Iowa state, which I forgot to mention. Yeah. Um, and that Iowa state win is looking better and better as, as the days go on. So I, Yo, I think, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's just my, it's just my gut with Iowa right now, the way they look and the way the big 10 <laughs> is, but, but I think you're right on paper. Um, you know, uh, I, I think it's certainly possible that they, that they make the tournament. Yeah. Um, the next group for me, uh, it's Maryland, Purdue and Minnesota. I think, I think that's everyone here. I'm looking through my list. Yeah. Uh, I, I have all those three as bubble teams. I don't think any of them are locks by any means. I don't think you can sit here and predict with any comfort that any of those three are going to make it. Um, Minnesota, I think, is in the best shape of all three at the moment as far as NIT or net, excuse me, I want to say NIT, net RPI is concerned. Um, I think Purdue is the best of the three as a, as a team, but um, they don't have the resume at the moment. So uh, I think all those three are going to be in a battle until Selection Sunday. And it's frankly going to come down to can they score enough upsets or enough road wins to get in? Um, any thoughts as far as that's concerned? Yeah, no, I think you're right. I don't think any of those teams are safe, but um, but I would say you know Purdue, like we were discussing, um, they they have a couple big games coming up. If they if they win those, those would go a long way. A road game against Michigan State, a road game against Wisconsin, um, you know, and and like you were talking about they're projected actually to go 19 and 12 too, you know, in the big, yeah. in the big 10. Um, well, yeah. just o- overall. Um, and yeah. so, you know, again, with the, with the schedule they've played, uh, their schedule, their non-conference um, was pretty insane. 
and uh, and I think they might have one of the tougher conference schedules too. So so I, you know Matt Painter, I think you're right. Purdue looks very good. They're they're maybe the best team of those three. Um, I could see them figuring it out. Um, oh yeah, they'd have to I do mean, it pretty. They'd have to do it pretty soon, but I could see it. Yeah, the the thing about Purdue is I think of all these teams that we don't like that are not the locks, so to speak, in the tournament at the moment. Um, I think they're the team that is easily the most likely where they could just lock it up themselves. Uh, all these teams win right. the games, you'll get in. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. And I think Purdue yeah. has very high high potential if if they develop that bench, if they get some guys around Carson Edwards. So we'll we'll see how that that goes as we move on. But uh, so yeah, to recap here briefly, I have Michigan State, Michigan, Wisconsin. Indiana, Ohio State as locks at the moment. I think it would take something substantial for any of those five to miss it. I have uh, Nebraska and Iowa as likely NCAA teams. And then I have Maryland, Purdue, uh, and Minnesota as bubble teams. And, of course, all of this can change, you know, one week from now. Who knows? Um, Then the last two groups that I have is – I think Northwestern right now is a probable NIT team. I think it would take quite an effort for them to get back into NCAA competition or contention. Excuse me. Um, they, they're good enough where I, I think they could still go on a run and get themselves back into that conversation. But um, I think they're a little bit too far out. And then the last teams, which are Penn State, Illinois, and Rutgers, I think they're going to have to win the Big Ten tournament to get in the NCAA tournament. Um, barring some just unprecedented turnaround. Um, any, any thoughts on those four um, and or uh, my, my thoughts on them? Yeah, no, I mean, one, one thing that just came to mind is it's kind of fun to do bracketology around this time of the year because you're, you're not telling any fans of any team that they're really out of it, right? Come, come February yeah. and March, there's going to be a lot of people who don't really like us talking about bracketology or who will turn off the podcast because it's just not fun for them. Uh, but at this point, I think that, you, you know, even the teams you were talking about with Northwestern and Penn State, you know, um, there's, a, there's certainly a chance. And, and I, I think, you know, Penn State played Maryland tough on the road. Um, they didn't let Michigan or Indiana run away from them. Obviously, I don't have a lot of faith in Pat Chambers and Penn State figuring it out. But, um, you know, and they're, they're 0-3 in conference play. But they do have that helpful Virginia Tech win. Um, they have a couple bad losses. But, you know, if they start winning now um, – you know, it could also happen. And, and I think Penn State is one of those teams that has, again, the tools. Um, I'm not so sure that Northwestern does. Um, they, mm-hmm. they seem to be kind of, a, 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 again, a two-headed sort of monster with Vic Law and Derek Pardon. But, um, but I, I agree with you. I mean, I think Illinois um, and Rutgers are, are not going to make the tournament. I think Northwestern and Penn State are, you know, probably not going to make the tournament. But um, based on what you've seen, I, you know, I'm not so sure that you would be, you or I would be that surprised if, you know, a Penn State pulls off a win over a Nebraska um, in the middle of January, or you know, or a Northwestern pulls off, um, you know, a tough win against a Maryland team or something like that. So um, again, I think you know teams are playing other teams tough, and uh, and you know, I, I think Northwestern and Penn State certainly have a chance. Yeah, and the the beauty about it, I I love how you said that, but the beauty about this year's Big Ten is this is not the Pac-12. 
you can win your way in, into <laughs> things here. You know, the conference is not a dumpster fire. There's a lot of good teams yeah. here. There are you're gonna get at least one to two marquee opportunities every single week. Every team is for the rest of the year. That's just how That's the, the league is. Yeah, That's and the um, podcast. The Big Ten is not the pack. The pack twelve. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to rename it after this. Um, yeah, but 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 the thing is, is like Northwestern. Hey, you feel like you're being disrespected. You feel like you're a team that's capable of making the NCAA's. Well, go out and win some of these games, and you can make it. Yeah, all four of these teams still. You know, even Rutgers. As much as people like to pick on Rutgers or Illinois this year, they the wins are there. I mean. And at the end of the day, just go win the Big Ten tournament and you'll get in. But if I had to say today, I, all these four teams would be out of the tournament. And if I had to say project the rest of the year based on how the teams have played to date, all four of these teams would miss it. Um, I don't think any, any of these four are particularly close either. I think Northwestern's the closest uh, from a resume perspective. I also think they're the closest from just a talent and play-by-play perspective, which – Ken Palm has mm-hmm. them as the best of these four. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, Penn State could get a run. Any of these four teams could get a, a run late in the year. But I think these four are going to end up being on the wrong side of things. My projection is I think Northwestern will make the NIT. I think the other three will miss uh, the postseason altogether, and we'll see. Um, and one thing I, I did want to add on to it, um, any any hot seat, discussion here any any coaching thoughts so to speak because (laughs) frankly i i think the top 10 in the league i i think everybody's pretty safe there uh as far this is the time of the year where it begins um i just wanted to touch on it briefly because we're still a couple months away from the end of the season and there's still plenty of time for the coaches to figure things out but um i i thought coming in uh you know richard patino and fran mccaffrey were under a little bit of heat you know, they needed to have some productive years. So far, so good. See how things conclude. Um, in this bottom category, I think Chris Collins is very, very safe. Um, you know, you get Northwestern of the tournament, you're going to be safe for a while. <laughs> uh, he's the only coach ever to do it. Um, but uh, the <laughs> other three, any any thoughts here on Illinois, Penn State, Rutgers as far as coaching? And, of course, realizing that we still have three months of the season to go. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of caveats, caveats here. I mean, one is we, we still have three months to go. Two is we're not athletic directors. And, and three, I personally have no idea what's going on in the minds of a, a lot of these athletic directors because I think some of these guys should not even be on the hot seat or, um, you know, should have been gone a long time ago, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah. but, but I think uh, what I would say is that um, Mark Turgeon – you know, Richard Patino oh, yeah. and Fran McCaffrey are, are interesting ones. Um, they're all having, you know, per, per, you know, just to, to mention our previous conversation, those are all teams that look like they could make the NCAA tournament this year. Right. Um, yeah. But, but I think that, I think that I personally um, think Pat Chambers, that conversation is going to heat up a little bit. Um, if you're familiar with that conversation about why he's still there and how he's doing, I think a lot of it is about potential and about recruiting um, and about his ability to sort of tap into Philadelphia as a recruiting market in a way that Penn State coaches have not done before. Um, I don't know that he's yielded the results they've expected from that recruiting. Um, And so, you know, I personally think, you know, 
um, that that's a conversation that we're going to be having um, in a couple months. Um, I think, you know, if, if Iowa goes the way I, I think they might, I think Fran McCaffrey's a discussion we might be having. Um, he's got some pretty talented guys in Iowa right now. Um, he's, he, you know, Luca Garza is a talented sophomore, um, you know, Tyler Cook. He's had some really good players come through Iowa. They haven't quite figured it out. I would think that um, there's going to be a lot of conversations about him. And then, and then I would say um, – I would say if Richard Pitino, if things keep going like they do and he makes, you know, the second, uh, if he makes the round of 32 or even the second weekend of the tournament, I think he gets another year or two. Um, so I, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that there's anybody besides Pat Chambers that I'm really scared for or would say, hey, um, you know, you know get, get ready for the conversations. But, um, but I think it'll be an interesting year based on how things play out in the conference season. Yeah, I, I would say a few things, and I just want to note it so it, it doesn't seem like we're just uh, trying to circle the wagons and <laughs> so on. Um, no, th- this is a good time to check in. You know, we're conference play has restarted now. We have some results. We have a we have a pretty good idea how things are going to shake out for better or worse for a lot of these teams now. Um, you know, the bubble teams we don't know yet, but. Uh, yeah, I think Turgeon, Patino, and McCaffrey were ones who a lot of people were eyeing coming into the season. Uh, but all three, I think, are absolutely in that discussion. I think all three, if they make the tournament, are going to be brought back for at least another year for sure, probably longer than that. Um, so we'll see. I, I think it's way too early to have any sort of feel on any of those guys. And everybody else in the top ten is extremely safe. I don't think they're under any pressure whatsoever. Uh, and then – the reason I really brought this up is because I'm looking at the bottom four and specifically the bottom three. And to me, the discussion has started a little bit in my mind with some of these. And I'll start with, you know, Illinois with Brad Underwood, they just landed a a big five-star recruit today. So maybe this isn't the best timing. Um, But Underwood has struggled uh, so far at Illinois. I expected him to hit the ground running, so far, it's been a pretty mediocre product he's put out there. They've been outside the top 100 on Ken Palm both seasons. They're 4-11 and 11 right now. They're 0-4 in Big Ten play. They only have one win over a top 150 team on Ken Palm. Uh, three of their wins are outside the top 150. So I think that speaks a lot of, of volumes about this team. Uh, we'll see. There's no way he's on the hot seat for this year. Um, but it is one of those yeah. things where I think I think he's going to enter next year with a little bit of pressure because I think Illinois uh, Illini fans are going to get a little bit impatient. But but we'll see. Um, and I feel the same about Steve Peichel at Rutgers. Uh, I know there's been a lot of optimism about him from Scarlet Knight fans, uh, but we're in year three now. They're 115th on <laughs> Ken Palm seven and six overall. They only have one win over a top 200 team. Uh, So kind of similar to that whole Illinois uh, stat I I was just saying. So really what I'm saying here, simply put, as far as Illinois and Rutgers are concerned is they may have wins, but almost all of them are against garbage. Uh, So I I don't know how much you can. Yeah. Like, like Rutgers has a winning record right now, but if they didn't schedule so many meatballs, uh, they probably wouldn't. Um, we'll see, though, but I, I think he's another coach where, you know, there's going to be an eye on him entering next season. So 
I just thought this was a good time to check in on these two. And I've, I've made my position on Pat Chambers known a couple times on this podcast. Uh, I frankly am, am just amazed that Penn state still has him as a head coach. Um, I, I just, his, his record is, is abysmal uh, as a head coach. And I realize Penn state is not Duke or North Carolina, um, but he is uh, 38-92. In, or excuse me, excuse me. He was suspended for today's game so that it does not count on his overall record. 38-91. <laughs> Somebody pointed it the out to me on Twitter. Are so. important. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's 38-91 for about a 29% winning uh, rate in Big Ten play, which is just horrible, just horrible. Um, especially when you think about that, that's well over a hundred games. This isn't a tiny data set. Uh, this is a lot, a long track record, but still time left. Um, we'll see, but I, I think Pat Chambers, there's going to be a big discussion about him over the next couple of months. Um, but I've thought so in years past and, and nothing has happened. So who knows? Uh, but with that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm going to conclude with this, with the hot seat talk. Like I said, this is a good time to check in because we are about halfway through the year. Um, as we enter here, people can sort of watch and, and check in on their respective teams. But more than enough time because if any of these coaches win the Big Ten tournament and get in the all- tournament, they're all going to get extensions. So all right. of this discussion is premature, and I will just reiterate that again just so everybody recognizes yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right, and and I think this is this is the fun part of it, right? Is that um, you know, well, people fun, again, like you said, they can go out, they they can go out and win games. I mean, I'm not talking about it being fun that anybody's losing their job, but um, you know, it, it's it's fun to have uh, a situation where teams can go out and win games, and and coaches can keep their jobs, and we can be having a conversation as opposed to as opposed to six teams at the bottom of the league that are just you know, the coaches are sort of sitting ducks and we're kind of, we're kind of waiting till March and, you know, until it's, it's okay to talk about certain things, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think in this situation where it's a competitive league, you know, teams at the bottom are playing. Okay. um, It'll really be a question for three or or four of those teams, like you mentioned. And I I think it'll lead to some interesting conversations over the next couple of months, but they certainly can, can turn things around and, and there's a way to control their own destiny too. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it'll we'll keep checking in, and it'll 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 be a interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, and I mean, what, what's the old Al Davis quote? Just just win, baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's the solution. You know, every team will have an avenue to win the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. Just win, and and you'll advance. Uh, so, um, but with that, of, of course, um, except John Beeline, who's you know, obviously on the hot seat. So we just wanted to add that in, you know, before we left. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. You know what? I, I want to take this opportunity. I, this was something I was going to mention. I've been, I've been tweeting this out here for a few, almost a month now, I think, but I, I haven't mentioned it on the podcast and I want to, because it's a really a remarkable run here for the Wolverines. Uh, oh, dating, back, dating back to last season. So Michigan, uh, had a little bit of a rough start. They got some momentum going. Uh, They lost to Northwestern on February 6th on the road. At that point, they're 19 and seven. They're eight and five in big 10 play. Clearly they're going to make the tournament. 
Clearly, they're going to have a decent seed, but obviously nobody thought they were going to go on to eventually make the Final Four in the national title game and win the Big Ten tournament for a second straight year. So since losing to Northwestern on February 6, 2018, Michigan has played 30 games. They're 29-1 and in these games. They have 20 wins against top 100 teams, and these are all, all these numbers are off Ken Palm. 14 wins against top 50 teams, seven against top 25 teams, three against top 10 teams. They have now a streak of 17 wins, straight wins at home. They, during this 30 game run, they beat MSU, Indiana, Villanova, Ohio State, Purdue, North Carolina. And of course, the only loss in these 30 games was to that uh, Villanova team in the national championship game. So I just wanted to throw that out there, a pretty wild yeah. run. Uh, I, I think you could argue outside of the year Michigan won the national championship game. It's probably the best 30-game run Michigan basketball has ever seen in its history. Um, and uh, so really, I mean, if, if you look to it, like that's about the length of a regular season uh, that they've done this on. Um, so just outstanding um, and we'll, we'll see if they can continue it on the road against Illinois this week. But just wanted to throw that out there before we go. Um, and uh, any final thoughts, man, before we uh, let you go? No, man, it's been a lot of fun. Always uh, love talking Big Ten hoops with you. And, uh, and I, I think you're right. That streak is a program-defining streak. It's a program-defining 30 games. And it's good for the Big Ten. So um, I'm Absolutely. pumped about this week. I think there are some good games and excited to talk about it next week. Absolutely. Should be another fun one, man. We'll see you next time. All right, man. Take care. Thanks. Um, and to everybody else, thank you for tuning in. Again, my name's Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at T Bendit. Uh, again, thank you for everyone who's tuning in. Um, this was kind of a, a great shot to, uh, to check in on the league, to check in um, on the big 10 as a whole and where things uh, are, are set for the, uh, uh, the postseason. But with that, we're going to let you go. Make sure to check out BT Powerhouse this week for a lot more great content, and we'll see you next time.